This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Equity Minds! I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is you can. Welcome back to another episode of Equity Mates, or should I say, hop on and pedal with us on another stage of Equity Mates, the podcast that gears you up on the race of investing. As always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren, and who am I? Uh, Bryce, you are... Lance Armstrong. Yes, correct. The, my challenge here, so for people new to the show, welcome. Uh, every episode, Bryce uh, gets chat GPT to translate his standard intro into a character that we then have to guess. The problem is Lance Armstrong doesn't speak like that. Harp on and pedal with us into another stage of equity, <laughs> no, mates. No, what I mean is that Lance Armstrong doesn't torture cycling analogies to make everyone know that he's a cyclist. I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So... We need um, to um, finesse the input that we're giving ChatGPT to provide a result that's not quite as literal. Yeah. yeah. You said we there, but... Me, me and producer Sasha. Okay. Yeah. As long as I don't have to do any work, great. No, never. <laughs> Now, while we are licensed, we're not aware of your personal circumstances. So, any information on this show is for entertainment and education purposes. Any advice is general. All right, Bryce, we've got a jam-packed episode of Equity Mates today. Yep. We've got a question from Sam from the Equity Mates community who wants us to help him convince his parents that he should invest rather than buying a house. Yes. And then we're going to be hearing from your mentor, Henry Jennings who's back from his European vacation. Yes. And you and him are going to sit down, touch base and talk stocks. Yeah. Hopefully you've done your homework. Uh, always, Ren. Nice. <laughs> uh, but first, let's talk about what's in the news, uh, what we've been doing with our portfolios. And I want to take the mic to start with mm-hmm. because I need to offer a mere culpa. Okay. Uh, I got something wrong last week. Yeah. And um, producer Sasha pointed it out. Uh, we were speaking about Azempic, the weight loss drug, uh, and Novo Nordisk, the company that sells it. Uh, I said I hadn't been able to buy it in Europe. Producer Sasha made the point that it's also listed in the US and you can just buy the US listed version on any broker that offers access. So she uses Stake and she was like, what are you guys talking about? I can see it in Stake. So I was wrong. If you want to try and buy the Danish version, like I try to for some reason, you might have some trouble, but there is a US listed version. 
How good? So I've bought it. You've bought it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw nice. it in the notes, went into steak and bought it. I think the reason I have done this is because... You said it would get to 1.5 trillion easy mm. last episode. Mm. I, I'm looking Not at, advice. <laughs> not advice. <laughs> I'm looking at this like NVIDIA was in December last year. I'm looking at this like BHP was in 1948. And what I mean, what I mean by that is, what I mean by that is, Nvidia came out with an incredible market update that said, you know, that sales have gone through the roof, and then it became pub, you know, it became the zeitgeist, and and then they did another round of revenue update, sales update, and it was another huge jump up. You can see the same thing happening here with Novo Nordisk, I think, and everyone's talking about it. And, but you can just see how they're just, you would imagine they're going to continue to outpace market expectation in terms of what is being sold. That, that's my, that's my yeah, theory. Yeah, that's your thesis. Yeah. There's another world where market expectation has got so far ahead of reality that it doesn't. Yeah. Like that often happens. Yes, it can go either way in yeah. stocks. Have you heard of lithium this year? Yeah, but I didn't say this is the core lithium of this time last okay, year. Okay. This is the core lithium so you're, you're saying, of 2021. You're saying this is NVIDIA <laughs> rather than core lithium. Yeah. And I'm saying there's always a shortcoming when you just try and reason by analogy. Yeah, well, have you bought... You're going to buy it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but not investment advice, but yeah. I also just have a general view on pharmaceuticals. We spoke to Ricky Bannon from IFM Investors, who's a small cap investor. She spoke about two small caps. Um, one of them was a cancer treatment. And she was saying that a peer that's also doing a similar treatment over in the US just got bought by Eli Lilly. And you look at Azempic, Eli Lilly and Pfizer are both now pushing into Novo Nordisk space and doing a similar drug, GLP-1 receptors. Is the argument in pharmaceuticals just buy Pfizer and Eli Lilly and whatever hits, they'll they, buy it? They'll scoop it up. It could be an argument. I mean, yeah. The challenge is, you know, they've got such a diversified portfolio of so many different drugs and all of that stuff, what's actually driving growth. Mm. But it just feels like anything that hits, they buy. Like alcohol. The big alcohol brands just scoop, scoop, yeah, out, yeah, scoop yeah. everything up. yeah. Anyway, late stage capitalism. Well, right? I mean, if, if if that's the case and if they do buy, well, Novo Nordisk, but... Well, I, I think in this case, they haven't needed to buy Novo Nordisk. They've just replicated their, drug. their drug. Yeah. 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 So that Eli Lilly, Pfizer and Novo Nordisk are all in different stages of trials for the pills. Anyway, mm. we spoke about this last week. We don't need to speak about it again. <laughs> Why not? Oh, it just feels like, it feels like it's being spoken about more than AI. Yeah, definitely. And I was AI is taking a back seat. I was over the AI. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This is that's my point. This is the Nvidia of December twenty twenty one. You yeah okay. Yeah. You've made that point. <laughs> well, let's let's move on. What else is going on? Well, it's not really moving on because it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of tying it back. But you've you've spoken about ResMed on the show and the uh, impact that Azempic has had on its share price and the opportunity that that created to buy like a really good quality Australian company. And you even spoke about it with Andrew Page in your mentor. It then, th there's a number of companies, good quality Australian companies that are being hit. And I'm not saying this is a buy, hold or sell either, but CSL is getting hammered at the moment and hammered objectively speaking, because it doesn't, ha it doesn't generally move, you know, 10, 20% often. And it's down 22% from sort of uh, the same period where, uh, 
Resmed. Resmed yeah. got hit. And it's one of those stocks where, you know, um, it might be overplayed. There was once a period where people were saying you just buy CSL whenever it's under 300 bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's currently trading at... 238. 238. So, for people unfamiliar with what CSL do, biotechnology, they do a lot of blood treatments, uh, particularly for kidney and heart disease. So, make the case that a Danish weight loss drug is related to an Australian blood plasma company. Well, they're, they're saying that um, one of the side effects or, or use cases for a Zempic is treating kidney disease and the efficacy of it was so successful in trial that they just stopped the trial because they're just like, it is so clear. No way. Yeah, it is so clear that this has positive effects of treating kidney disease, which flows back to the impact that they're going to have on this. What can't this drug do? <laughs> I know, I know. So that flows down to CSL where 15% of group revenue is driven from this kidney disease business. So that's kind of where it started. Interesting. And the blood plasma business is also under margin compression from since COVID. And so profits are under under stress. So it's it's not just as Empic. I think they're facing a few headwinds at the moment. But um this is having flow on effects. And and so I think the argument stands where it's like it's a good quality Australian business that has been compounding time and time and time again. Um might be worth having a look under the hood a bit more. The big the big three of Australian healthcare giants csl resmed cochlear what does cochlear get hit next all of a sudden <laughs> all of a sudden azempic stops hearing yes yeah. <laughs> i mean other companies that might well probably be worth looking at would be the the pathology one sonic health looking at in what sense well it hasn't been impacted by this oh okay as okay. azempic thing I mean, maybe. <laughs> anyway, I thought that um, <clears throat> could be worth doing the same exercise that you did on ResMed with CSL. Okay, now can we please move on I from promise. Zempic? promise, that's it. <laughs> what else is in the news? <laughs> Here's an interesting one. So, a few weeks ago, uh, Netflix sent their very last DVD, which if you know the history of Netflix, they started with DVD delivery service. And then obviously transitioned to online uh, streaming. So I thought it was interesting that they actually were still sending them. Who's still getting DVDs sent these days? Beach houses. <laughs> <laughs> Beach houses always have board games and a bucket of DVDs. <laughs> That's actually very true. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair call. Well, the last one was sent. But now, have you heard of Netflix? It's, they're going IRL in real life. Netflix house. I haven't. Is this like the Barbie house? Is it just like a market? No, they're, they're, they're creating, they're building. It feels like what Amazon tried to do, but they're building bricks and mortar, dining, retail, and entertainment inspired shops where you- it's like a, a Netflix brick and mortar and you go and hang out. Um, what? Yeah, yeah. They've done a, a, a real, oh, it's not a pivot, but they're trying. It's called, rec- Net- I've got it here. Netflix recently sent its last DVD, but the stream is not ditching physical offerings. Introducing Netflix House. The biz said the venues will feature dining, retail, entertainment inspired by its top shows and movies. The first two lo- locations are set to open in US in 2025 and global spots could follow. Is this the start of like a Disney play? Potentially. Like Disney... Have a lot of kids stuff. 
like kids IP, you know, Marvel, uh, the Disney princesses, all of that stuff. And so then they are like theme parks is the natural extension to like engage kids in the real world. You know, Netflix has a lot of more adult focused IP, Bridgerton, House of Cards. Potentially, yeah. And then it's like, how do we monetize that Mm. IP in a real world? You can Mm. go to like a... A squid game. A Bridgerton ball. (laughs) Oh, squid game. That's actually a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 A party venue. Squid game escape room. Yeah. Like people would have their work functions (laughs) there. (laughs) (laughs) Birthdays. I mean, this is all new to me, but it kind of feels like maybe that's... Oh, like a Stranger Things. Stranger Things is Netflix, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like a Stranger Things world where you're do stuff it just feels like a, it just feels it feels unnecessary but maybe you're right it does it does mirror how disney leverage their ip so yeah watch this space 2025 is netflix expected house. netflix house yeah it, it, it goes on to say they haven't actually said what they're going to be selling the thing is netflix have tried to monetize their ip in a few ways outside of monthly video subscriptions i don't know if any of them have hit like have you ever played a netflix game no. Well, they have a gaming division. Yeah. I'm just reading that now. It invests in mobile games. Yeah. And yeah. they make like there's a Stranger Things game and stuff like that. But it's just like... I'm saying it won't be any good. Calling it now. Fair enough. I'm going to say it'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> it'll that be like, is so soft. It'll be like meh. It'll be meh revenue, <laughs> meh That's margins. no good. That's no good. Well, I mean like it's better than most businesses. <laughs> True. Like most businesses are, don't, would love to be meh. <laughs> True. Anyway, anything it, from you way, or should we move It'll be on? more profitable than equity mates. <laughs> <laughs> you would hope so. <laughs> now, nah, look, I think that's covered it. Our analysis isn't going to get any better from here. Uh, let's take a quick break. Let's recenter and reset and then come back and uh, answer Sam's question. Hey equity mates, Bryce here. Have you caught up on our new series, Ask an Advisor? It's when we put questions to some of Australia's best professional financial advisors from you, the equity mates community. Hey Bryce, friend, I've got a question. How do you recommend managing a share portfolio with employee share entitlements? What happens to that money? That's probably one of my biggest concerns. When is it okay to let emotion drive your investing decisions? Ask an advisor. Live in the equity mates feed now. We've taken a deep breath. Um, we are back and we are answering a question from Sam from the Equity Mates community. He wrote in to ask at equitymates.com and it was such a good question. It was such an interesting question that we asked him to record it as a voice note. Hi, Bryson Ren. Uh, long time listener. First time writing in. Well, I'm a 24-year-old who has uh, quiet boomer parents that stereotypically love the Australian housing market. I've got a bit of money saved up after quite a few years of why I've been working since I was 14, and I've dabbled in buying index ETFs, and I quite like it. My parents, however, want me to buy an investment property in Sydney, but I don't want to commit to the long-term mortgage and associated baggage, especially because I'm currently studying my PhD, and I'm not saying this is a flex. I'm just trying to say that I'm uh, on a quite a low income at the moment, and it will be the next, for the next few years. So essentially, my question is, how do I tell my parents that I want to start properly DCAing into index funds instead of buying into the housing market? Yeah, I know that you guys can only give general information, but I'd appreciate anything. Cheers, guys. Love the show. Love it. Nice. Thanks, Sam. Great question. Well, I mean, my first response is, you know what you've got to get your parents for Christmas? Our book. A copy each of (laughs) Don't Stress, Just Invest. Yes. Because that is really just a, 
60,000 word, it's not quite 60,000 word, but it's a book length argument for index investing and why that's enough to build meaningful wealth. I guess the challenge is they would say we built meaningful wealth through the property market. Yeah. So I think like, I I think for for me, (laughs) sorry, um, I think for me, there's probably two key parts of this argument. The first is expected return. And then the second is accessibility. And accessibility has a few things under it. But like expected return, let's start there. Australian housing has been great for a long time. And you know, your your parents would believe that it's going to build wealth for another generation of Australians. And maybe that's true. But the stock market has also been great. It's just been less spoken about. Um, when you look at the Australian All Ordinaries returns back to 1900 to today include reinvestment of dividends. It's about 13% annual return. You can build more than enough wealth getting 13% a year. A lot of housing markets haven't returned 13% a year. So I think that the first thing is historically in like the last 30 years, Australian housing and Australian shares have both been great performers so from an expected return point of view unless something you know massively changes in the housing market you probably expect to do well on either that's fair i mean historically that is true and over the long term um in the future for me the reason that investing in shares makes a lot of sense for someone in your life situation sam is because it's a lot more accessible and it's a lot more portable you're 24 you're studying a phd you're living in sydney now but who knows where you will live in the future the fastest way to lose money on property is to need to move a lot is to uh incur the stamp duty and the transaction costs of buying a place in sydney and then once you finish your phd getting a job overseas or in another city and having to move and sell and then buy somewhere else or start renting somewhere else. And like the obvious answer and the dream for everyone is just buy in Sydney, get it to positively geared, build some equity, and then you can go and rent wherever you live and you can rent the place out in Sydney. But like servicing a mortgage and paying rent is difficult. Getting to positively geared is difficult. So I think for me, like Mm. the accessibility and the portability is a big one. I think the nuance there is that if, you know, his parents are saying... Sam's parents are saying buy an investment property. So hopefully it's not something that if you move, you have oh, to sell. Oh, true, true. Didn't, didn't hear that key word. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me though, it's similar to that. It's just a pure maths game. It's more about the costs associated when you're on a low income and you know you're going to be that at uni. The costs associated with starting to build wealth in property is enormous. Like... You've got stamp duty, you've got legal fees, like all of these costs that go into it that if you just put on a piece of paper in front of your parents and say, I'm going to be 50 to 90K down the drain immediately with stamp duty, which is essentially the deposit I've saved, which I could just drip feed into stocks over the next period of while I'm at university, then it becomes a pretty compelling argument. I think also if you look at just the repayments that you would have to be paying out. I, I, the way I would do this is I would just make the case on a piece of paper with literally the maths involved, do the math. yeah. involved it's also, here. And now it's I'm just like, thinking like if you had 90K, <laughs> 20K goes in stamp duty. So 70K, you've got your fear deposit. Well, you can get up to 95%, but then you've got L- LMI, mortgage yeah. insurance. So what if you don't want LMI? You need 80%? Yeah, 80. So you're looking at so six, if, if 600 grand thereabouts. Less than that even. Less? Yeah. 
if you've got 70 grand deposit. Yeah, true. Let's say you wanted 95% deposit, 70 grand goes to a $1.4 million house. $1.3 million mortgage. There's no way you're servicing that no way. on your income. No Let's way. say... So, I had a look at servicing a million-dollar mortgage at 6% interest and you're looking at about six grand a month in mortgage payments. Yeah, which for a university student is just... Bro, for, put, put, for me, that yeah, was I know, like... I know, I uh, know. Put like, that in front of... Me and my partner, we yeah, were like, yeah. oh, this is going to be tough. 100%. Yeah. Put that in front of your parents... Case closed. <laughs> yeah. I think also uh, mortgage insurance is a cost, the stamp duty, the repayment, but also just like the average price of like a 600,000 loan or like if, if 70,000 in, in deposit, the average unit price here is what, 800 grand? I guess like I guess that. if it's an investment property, you wouldn't buy in Sydney. Yeah, so, can, we're, we're talking true, about Sydney true, prices true, true. here where you pay over a million dollars for a one-bedroom apartment. Yeah. But if you're, if you're buying it as an investment property, you'd probably look at like... Southeast Queensland or Tassie or mm. WA is cheap, but who knows if it's going to grow. And the um, argument would be someone would be paying the rent on that. Your servicing might not yeah, be as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you miss I, out on a number of benefits if the first place you buy is an investment property rather than an owner-occupied property? First like home buyer. First home buyers and sure. stuff like that? I'm not sure. I would imagine so. Yeah. The government wouldn't be like, oh, you can afford an investment property. I, I don't know. I'm speaking out of school. I don't know. So I think to summarize, because we've kind of jumped to a few places, I think the first argument is, you're right, your argument. The maths of it all, I don't think works. Yeah. Like on a low income, having saved 90K, I don't know if you've got just the wasting. means. Yeah, not wasting and money, but yeah. it's huge upfront costs. Which is really an indictment on Australia's housing market, but we are where we are. The second argument is, I think... The accessibility, like you can mm. just invest what you can afford into shares. You don't, you're not faced with these massive repayments, and it just means that you have flexibility in your life. If you want to keep studying, if you want to take an academic position, uh, you don't have to go and take the corporate job after doing the PhD because you've got this whopping big mortgage that you've got to keep servicing. So the second thing is like accessibility. And then third thing, I think expected return. Mm. You're not going to be any worse off than shares. Mm. Some may make the argument that you'll be better off in shares than in property. Depends where you buy, all that stuff. But I think not worse off is great. Yeah. Don't rush it. What's the rush? Finish yeah. uni. But I mean, pressure from your parents. Is I know, great. absolutely. I completely empathize with that. And buy, buy them a copy of our book. <laughs> yeah, get it on the show. We'll, t- we'll talk to them. Should we, should we put that offer out? Sam, if you want us to speak to your parents, <laughs> we will. Stocks v shares, the boomer millennial debate. Do we do like a, a debate? <laughs> Live like, streamed on Instagram. That's not that. Like, but like a high school debate where like I'm first yeah, speaker, you're, first you're speaker. second yeah, speaker. Yeah, yeah. And then Sam's parents are first and second <laughs> yeah, speaker. Definitely. Sam's ding, the ding, adjudicator. Ding. Yeah, 30 second bell. <laughs> Anyway, Ren, let's keep going. If you do want to submit a question, you can send them through at ask at equitymates.com. And a reminder that we do have our Ask an Advisor episode coming up very soon uh, where we'll put all of the questions that come through to our advisor. Maybe we um, put a pin in Sam's question and also put this to a professional. I have. It'll be in the email coming up. Oh, nice. Yeah, so if you haven't signed up to our weekly newsletter, head to equitymates.com slash email 
and you'll see a professional response to this question. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not just Bryce wearing a Groucho mask uh, <laughs> costume. It's actually a professional advisor. Yes. Uh, every Thursday, we put one of your questions to a, an advisor and get them to answer it. So sign up to the Equity Mates email. Uh, but Bryce, let's take a quick break here because on the other side, you're going to speak to Henry Jennings, mm. your mentor. He's been away in Europe and you have been keenly waiting his return. So I'm excited to hear what you two get up to. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Equity Mates. For people new to the show, welcome. At the start of the year, Bryce and I each found ourselves a mentor. We really love this idea of being lifelong learners. Every expert we speak to really embrace this and they're constantly reading, constantly listening, constantly learning because the market is constantly changing. New companies are coming. Being curious and learning is so important as an investor. So we each found a mentor to keep us honest and to keep us learning. I've been working with Andrew Page. You've been working with Henry Jennings. Hard to know who's keeping who honest. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> we'll take that as I will take that as a comment, and we'll put that to Henry later. Um, <laughs> but he's been in Europe. He's got back, and yeah. uh, you and him. It's been a big break actually, because I went to Europe, then he went pretty much the day I got back. So we had a lot to catch up on. About our Europe trip. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see how much of that makes it into the final cut. But uh, here's Bryce and Henry. Let's get stuck in. So, Henry, we've both been over in Europe. We have. Did you tune out of the markets when you were away? Uh, I did, actually, Bryce. No. And just decided to sort of disengage and try and get a fresh head uh, space come October. Yeah. So, the ASX and the S&P sort of tracked each other somewhat. Now, when I went away, there was somewhat of a feeling of a little bit of optimism. (laughs) It now feels like the market has reversed somewhat. This is at least how I'm seeing it. And people are getting a little bit nervous again. We saw inflation pop up. The commentary coming from the Fed is that mm, maybe rates will be higher for longer. How are you seeing the market now that we're back in action? Well, I guess September seasonally can be quite a weak month. Uh, there's a lot of fund managers that come back from Long Island uh, and Nantucket and all these places in, the, in America, Martha's Vineyard, and they're cranky. Uh, they've had the juniors look after the market in the summer time in the Northern Hemisphere, and they get back and they're cranky. And September can be a bit of a downer as a month. October, traditionally, is actually one of the best months of the year, despite the fact that we've seen one or two uh, 
perilous crashes in October. But uh, September certainly wasn't good. A lot of uh, companies going ex-dividend as well on the, X, on the ASX, so that does take points off the index. Some of that money now is coming back into the market because the checks have dropped into the accounts or the, the bank uh, accounts are stuffed full of money again. So we are seeing things pick up a little bit. The interesting thing, I guess, is that is the narrative around what the Fed's doing, and you, you were talking about that. Um, the higher for longer... Uh, that certainly seems to be pervasive now in that they are going to keep rates higher for longer. But the narrative has changed, I guess, in the last uh, week or so from just higher for longer for no more rate rises, but maybe no more rate cuts. And the soft landing that we were talking about and thinking about in the past, maybe that's happening as we speak. I mean, we've still got very, very good jobs numbers coming out of the US. That non-farm payrolls was huge that we saw last week. We're still seeing good economic growth here, low jobs uh, unemployment as well here. So we're kind of muddling through at the moment and the market has been very oversold. So we are seeing some buying creep back in into October. And especially as there's a lot of cash on the sidelines from all these dividends and in the US, a lot of selling has meant that there is this cash buildup. So I'm slightly more optimistic. Uh, there are a lot of things happening as well on the macro front, you know, with oil and gold and, of course, what's happening in uh, Ukraine and now what's happening with Israel and Hamas. So it complicates things, but markets do tend to try and look through these sorts of things unless there are direct implications. You now, we saw a spike up in the oil price, which is kind of uh, oil trading 101, gold spiked up, gold trading 101. But it hasn't really kicked or followed through yet. So we'll wait and see how that pans out. What I'm trying to sort of get my head around at the moment is we've had 13 interest rate rises over the last sort of 12 months, yep. we'll call it, you know, a little bit before, and we're having this mortgage cliff. We're kind of halfway through rolling that at the moment. We've had bond traders in here or yep. bond fund managers. Yep. We're on, you know, uh, distribution lists that show us what you can buy in, uh, if you've got the money to do it and yep. you can get returns of or yields of 12, 13% in some instances which is all well and good for those that can afford it. Firstly, do you buy bonds in an, it, does it become more attractive for you now or is it just not part of it? How, how do you approach it? Um, it's not part of my thinking, to be honest. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's not easy for small guys no, to buy it's bonds. it's impossible. It's impossible. Yeah. yeah it is not easy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously you can just leave the money in, a, in cash management or something like that and you're getting relatively good rates now. But as far as, you know, the thing about the bond market is it's for big boys. It really is for big boys. And in times of, of yore, you know, the bond movements were very small. You know, you didn't have these massive 14 basis point changes in 10-year yields overnight, every night. You know, you didn't have that. It was very small little marginal increases or decreases. So because they were small, you had to throw a lot of money at it, and it attracts the big players, and it's all the big money in the world. The U.S. has got to fund, what's it, $31 trillion dollars? of debt all the stuff they've got to issue so it, it's a big boys game and there are a couple of bond etfs that you can uh, you can trade uh, which is probably the simplest way for retail people to to trade it and there are a couple of uh you know there are guys out there that uh do specialize in the retail end for bonds but it's you know from, from our perspective at marcus today we look at obviously the risk-free rate because everything is therefore priced off the back of that but uh, that's probably as far as it goes for us. We are equities people. I want to go there because getting now four and a half plus in bank accounts, five and, a, five and a half for some of the good savings accounts. And you're right. I can't remember a time in my life 
that it has been that mm. good. No. Uh, maybe early days, early days like school, but like I'm thinking through uni and stuff. Even when I was at the bank, you had to go like long-term deposits and those yeah. sorts of things. But, you know, at called transit savings accounts, I can get five and a half percent. And so it's, it's sort of, you know, changes the way you think about what you do with that powder on the side. Yeah. So how, how, how has it changed what you're looking at or buying over the last sort of 12 months? Well, I guess, you know, a lot of the speculative end of the market, I'm not talking about the good tech stocks, the US kind of tech stocks, which have been on a different basis, the yeah. AI boom, et cetera. But certainly from, from a perspective of our minuscule tech sector and our small caps in biotechs or whatever, you know, having money in, in dead stocks that aren't doing anything, that you're waiting for six months for them to do something, you know, that, that is costing you money. In, in the past, you know, a year or two ago, when you were getting zero on your deposit rates, there wasn't costing you anything. You know, you could sit there because you've got no alternative. We yeah. had Tina as opposed to Tara. Now we've got there are reasonable alternatives. And uh, as a result, you know, you've got to time things a little better because the price of money, the cost of money, you're competing uh, all the time. And we have seen small caps sell off considerably all that speculative money the hot money that was in the lithium space mm. uh, a lot of that has been well and truly shaken out uh, which i think is a good thing uh, it will make uh, people a lot more disciplined i think and it means that you've got to think about where you're allocating your capital to because you do have a you do have an alternative mm. and that is just sitting there with cash so does that mean you're wanting to allocate into stocks that are either paying a yield or that aren't what you just sort of said are going to sit there and, and be dead? Like, are you looking yeah. for a much more sort of short-term catalyst that's going to give you a more immediate return? I, th I think we've seen a lot more momentum trading, um, not just in, uh, in equities, but also in other markets. And people have been jumping on board things and, and just being part of that momentum because uh, you don't want to be in the dead money because you can get that return elsewhere. So you want to get on the stuff that's moving fast and maybe you need to be more active in what you do. Mm. Uh, I think that's, that's certainly something. A bit more disciplined with your capital allocation. I think you know the good companies are still doing relatively well and the ones that are high yielding and have fully frank dividends, of course, which you don't get on the deposit accounts, are still in demand. We've seen that with the banks. The, the, I have a big bank basket, which I call it, which uh, many years ago you could buy all four local banks for 100 bucks. So I've been tracking that forever uh, for the last 10, 11 years when you could buy that. And it's now about $176, and it topped out at about $215. And it bottomed at 107. That doesn't include any dividends. That's just the four share prices added up. Yeah, but yeah. that has stayed pretty stable uh, for the last little while. Uh, and certainly, you know, investors just keep buying the banks. It's such a bedrock. Fully frank dividends. Uh, the appeal of BHP and Rio has waned slightly in terms of dividends and Fortescue because of, you know, they were quite generous at times recently. But they have been less generous as commodity prices have come off. But um, I think, you know, the, the high-yielding stocks have done okay. They've held up, whereas others, you know, we've seen WiseTech having issues. Yeah. CSL, which was a market darling, that myth has been well and truly busted at the moment. Uh, the same with ResMed. So a lot, of, a lot of things have come back into you know, more normal kind of pricing. 
I'd say the next 12 months, we're going to see more muddling. I was just thinking about that. Like if the, what's the ASX up at the moment? 200 year to date is oh, about 1.9%. Yeah, it'd be. So it's flat, call yeah. it. So chuck in dividends of 4.5%. You, you got to. So it's, ju- it's probably matching a high interest savings account. Yeah, which return. doesn't doesn't make it <laughs> that doesn't make it that attractive. That, exactly, but we've we've yeah. seen you're, you're you know you're young and you haven't seen this. But you know when I started in the markets back in the early nineties, uh, or the early eighties actually, you know interest rates went to seventeen percent in the UK, and all the time they were kind of three, four, five. Um, even when John Howard came in, they were looking at raising rates to seven percent at one stage, and everyone was screaming blue murder. So it, it's not unknown. Long term, these are not mm. abnormal interest mm. rates. What is abnormal is the speed that central banks have moved. It has been unprecedented. It's a great word, isn't it? Yeah. Unprecedented. <laughs> um, but it has been unprecedented in the speed they have moved, and it has taken people by surprise, and it needs people to adjust and work out, okay, there are alternatives now to shares. Uh, maybe the bond market is the good place to be. Maybe we should look at hybrids. Maybe we should look at just cash in the deposit account. There are alternatives. So we had a listener question come through that I think would be relevant. And it was it was pretty much, they understood the value of dollar cost averaging, uh, assuming they're our age yep. and just getting it into the market. Yep. But now they're faced with the opportunity of putting that money into five and a half percent interest rate. What would your, I guess, just advice be to someone or everyone sitting there listening now to there's an opportunity cost and also pursuing a strategy of long-term money in the market? I, I think it's going to still be hard to beat long-term money in the market. Okay. You know, I think even if we saw interest rates spike from here, which I don't think we're going to see, I think we're kind of close to peak. There may be one more. But crikey, that's pretty close to the peak. Um, I, I think, you know, at some stage we are going to have issues again and central banks are going to have to tickle the market a little bit, tickle the economy. So I think at the end of the day, equities will still win out or, or even housing to some extent. But equities is, is really what we're talking about. And dollar cost averaging over the long term has been a proven winner. Just leaving your money in the bank at four and a half percent—that's fine. You're not getting any tax breaks out of that. So, you know, if you're paying the high rate of tax, you're still going to be—you know—it's still two and a half percent. So, you're not going to get too rich on two and a half percent. You're going to wash your face, and by the time the bank takes its fees and charges and charges your dead uncle, etc., for for those fees and charges, then you know you're not really going to be going forward. Whereas you will be going forward ultimately. In the stock market, yeah, um, and you know, and especially if you, if you're buying ETFs, say that have got good yields or stocks that have got good yields, you know, you, you won't really. We did some work on, um, you know, how retirees and older people don't care about share prices. They really have no interest in the share price. All they care about is their dividend yeah. check. Yeah, the share price is only of a consideration to their kids who will get the shares when they die. Yeah. And they'll go, oh, I need the income now. So they'll keep them forever. I mean, CSL, people are still from CSL from when it listed or CBA. They don't care whether it goes up a dollar, down a dollar on a daily basis. They just want their dividend check. Yeah, fully frank. That's all they want. <laughs> yeah. you know? And uh, I, you know, I, I still think equities will be the place to be. But you just got to be more disciplined because there are now alternatives, at least in the short term. Mm. Um, it may not be the long term, but in the short term, 
there are alternatives. And then to close and maybe to leave us with something to think about before we connect next, it's where are you looking at the moment to buy? And I guess, uh, have you bought anything post-Europe? What's your plan of attack over the next couple of months? I've been looking at some of the really bombed out sectors. Lithium. Um, Lithium, for one. I still find it confusing again that's a good word that we've been using a lot confusing that you know gina's bought nearly 19 percent of lion town and so how are you using what's going on there to invest in around it well i guess you know we've got everything in the market is is a relative basis whether it's the risk-free rate or whether it's it's a it's a corporate transaction that that is a sort of a liquidity event Lion Town is a liquidity event for the Lion Town shareholders, obviously, but it also puts a line in the sand as to what an industry player like Arbemile values a company at. Yeah, okay. It's valuing Lion Town at nearly seven billion dollars. Yeah, it's a lot of money for yeah. a company that hasn't produced anything and is still building the project. So then you look at various other companies at various different stages, and then you can derive a little bit more value. It's like something like Pilbara which you know, has had a massive tanking, and as I say, 12% of the stock is, is shorted. That's capped at about 13, 14 billion, but it's got 3 billion in cash. And it produces, and it's got downstream assets, and it's got expansion plans, etc. So you look at that and you go, well, that looks relatively, compared to Liontown, that looks pretty good value at these kind of prices. And then I guess you can look at other lithium companies and, and in the same space, because you want to compare apples with apples. Um, and you can say, well, okay, this one's got this big resource. It's this far down the timeline. We know that Liontown sold for 7 billion. Therefore, this one is worth 1 billion or 2 billion. Depending where, where it's at on depending there. Depending on where it's yeah. at in their, in their timeline. So you can kind of look from there. And the same, the same applies in any industry when you get a, a big takeover target. And we're losing them. We're losing ASX stocks, you know, yeah, Origin. Yeah. You know, yeah. again, you can, you can look at Origin and go, okay, well, if Brookfield pay whatever they're going to pay, because we don't really know what they're going to pay. Yeah. Um, if they pay $9.15 or whatever, that gives the value of 18, 19 billion. And then we can look at APA or another kind of company. And if same with Virgin, you know, Virgin floats, is Qantas cheap yeah, on the true, back of true, Virgin? True. So you're trying to compare apples relative, with apples yeah. and relative things. So at the moment, I'm looking at stocks that have been whacked disproportionately to, to their business product. And some of those are in the tech space, some in the lithium space, base metal stocks as well. Um, and to some extent, gold stocks, you know, that they have recovered recently because of the, the uptick in the bullion price and what's happening around the world. But in Aussie dollar terms, that gold price has held up pretty well. Um, and some of these Aussies, you know, like Newcrest for me, looks kind of interesting because the merger with Newmont is about to be consummated. We're in the final countdown there. What does this big behemoth now look like? And who is going to be interested in this um, from an investment point of view? Newcrest has gone down to sideways be- during this whole process because there's always uncertainty and moving parts, etc. But you know, when you put one and one together, do you get two and a half? I suspect you might, and you might see big funds go, okay, well, this is now such a big gold company and other metal company that you can't ignore it, and you'll get Newcrest, Newmont, the combined entity re-rate, um, higher, so you know there are there are stocks out there 
that you look at and you think, mm, CSL. Did you ever look at ResMed? Uh, yeah, we, you, we've talked about ResMed in the past. Yeah. Um, I hated it for a long time and was very vocal about it. And then when it dropped after the results, I, I started to get interested in it a little early. Um, and there's all this chat about how you know, weight loss drugs are going to change the yeah, world. Yeah, and see, yeah. you know, No one's ever going to get sleep apnea again because everyone's going to yeah. be slim, trim and look like Kendall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that is not going to happen. Mm, you know, mm. that is not going to happen. We saw it last night. PepsiCo, their results came out. and said, "Nah, you know what? I haven't seen it. Yeah, I haven't seen that. It's it's not it's not cheap. Line. Yeah. It's not cheap. You know, if you wanted to do that in Australia, it's three hundred bucks a month. Whoa! And it's every month. Yeah, it's not just two months and we're done. And it's not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. you either keep going you or got it for you're life. likely to put it back for up. life. Yeah. And you know, we're now starting to see reports of some of the side effects, uh, which can be interesting. Now, nausea, diarrhea, constipation. Mm. Not sure how that works, but <laughs> uh, but you know, so it's not the. So I think ResMed. The, the problem they've got is once you've bought a machine, that's it, and the machines cost the same. You know, they're they're fifteen hundred, sixteen hundred bucks. That's it's it's. There's no. It's not a SaaS model. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so no. There's nothing else. More customers. There's and they've got to get more customers. And the problem is that a lot of the existing guys, you know, they quit because they don't want to look like Maverick. Yeah. Because you know it's not very romantic. So a lot of people quit quite early and they don't go back to it because it's just too hard. Yeah. Others continue, but there's no ongoing, and I think that's where they failed to really capture the ongoingness mm, to turn mm, it into a to some sort of SAS model recurring yeah and then finally LRS Latin Resources we spoke yeah. about it before we went away uh, still holding still holding I did I did uh, sell some the other day at 29 cents I'm having bought some at 23 and a half on a bit of a sell down um, still holding still like the story uh, obviously it's you know it's following a playbook Sigma Lithium yeah. is, is the playbook Next door, um, not immediately next door, but that's you know they're very close to them, both um, geographically and also corporately. If that's a word, um, but they are very close. Um, they got quite big ties between the two companies, so um, I still like that one. I saw some research. There's been some uh, guys uh, doing some work on it. Forty-five, fifty cents, popping back up to thirty. They're you know they're a buy below twenty-five. They're a sell at forty, as far as I'm concerned. And here at thirty, they're kind of sloshing around a bit nice. but we are seeing a little bit of interest in lithium stocks again um and some of it's short squeeze i'm sure some of it is just you know brokers have started to go oh we may have whacked our lithium forecast a little too much because if at the end of the day if lithium prices went down another 50 percent there's going to be no one out there doing it yeah yeah you know you, yeah. you kill Which the is supply going to happen though no no can't it's uh, you know it's possible, and it may there may come a time when we just look upon lithium as just another chemical, yeah. which is what it is, rather than a, a mining. You know, it's a chemical process as opposed to a, a mining process to some extent, especially with the brine. Um, but there's no doubt that we're all friends electric. You know, you you, you only got to drive around Europe. Yeah, I know. Especially in London, yeah, God, yeah. London's got these new um, ultra low emission zones. Oh wow. Oh yeah. They're a beauty. Some people, when they drive out their driveway in the morning, cost them twelve dollars fifty, oh. because they're in a. They've just been named as an ultra low emission zone. Whoa! And because their car is old, you get slugged it, for it. It doesn't qualify, so you have to pay twelve pounds fifty a day. Sorry, oh. twelve pounds fifty a day, um, twenty five bucks to drive around. To drive to around in your own area. My brother can't drive his car 
from where he lives to the local shopping center because that's just wow in an ultra low emission zone and it will cost him 12 pounds 50 to do so so it's funny because in the uk some of the old car now are getting very cheap if you're in one of those zones because you can't sell them to anybody who lives in those zones so you can pick up some real bargains because people have got no choice but to get out of their car and it's not just london it's starting to spread now to other areas of the uk and it's also starting to take hold you know it used to just be the congestion charge but now it's kind of everywhere and i I was i had um a couple of hybrids while i was in europe to drive and um they are you know you go to the petrol station and you fill up and you go hmm I can That's see quite good. Yeah, <laughs> I can see what they're talking about. I can see what they're, you know, petrol is expensive. So, you know, you can see what's that. The, the oil price is only going to hasten the EV thing, you know, and, and the choice of models is getting, it's not just, oh, you can have a Tesla, what color do you want? Now it's, there's a big, big range. The Chinese are flooding Europe, they're flooding the market. Um, we're seeing it here, you know, EVs are under 45 grand now. Um, Teslas are comparative to ICE vehicles. They've dropped the prices so much. So it ain't changing. This, this is, unless someone invents or pushes the sodium battery, lithium is in the middle of the Venn diagram, and it still is. Well, there you go, Ren. It was great to catch up with Henry. Ren, thoughts on his view on ResMed? Yeah, different to mine. Yes. But as the great American publisher William Feather once said, oh, here we go. every time one person buys, another sells, and both think they are astute. Well said. So we'll, well, time will tell. Well said, Henry. Who was it? Uh, William Feather. William Feather. <laughs> <laughs> time will tell. But... um. Look, we've, uh, we're going to try and get both Andrew and Henry on the show a couple more times before the end of the year to close out our 2023 with them. Uh, plenty has been going on before we get into final bold predictions and, and close out the year. So it's going to be honest before we know it, but we'll close it there. If you want to ask us a question, a reminder, ask at equitymates.com and sign up to our weekly email, equitymates.com slash email. But let's leave it there. We'll pick it up on Thursday. Sounds good. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.